0: Before the crowds, all the attention and fame, they were just kids. It's the local play-by-play broadcasters that recognize their talents and their flaws. This is a look behind the curtain of the athletes that made it out and the local guys with ringside seats. You get an insider's view into what goes on behind the sports from local play-by-play broadcasters around the country.
1: This is the Before the Crowds Play-by-Play Podcast with Ken Keller. Hello and welcome to Before the Crowds Play-by-Play Podcast, a part of the Hefe Pods Podcast Network, a division of Glades Media. I'm your host, Ken Keller, and I do want to thank everybody that's downloaded the first couple of episodes of Before the Crowds. I hope you enjoyed. I do appreciate any kind of feedback that you guys want to offer me. You can uh, email me, Ken, at GladesMedia.com. or, uh, message me on the before the crowds Facebook page, tweet at me on the before the crowds, uh, Twitter account. There's so many different ways to get a hold of people now with, <laughs> with social media and, uh, you know, and the like. So, uh, I do want feedback. I would love some interaction with listeners, especially folks that I don't know. If, you know, if friends and family are going to listen to the podcast, um, you know, for the most part, but I want to hear from the ones that don't know me, uh, and, and just get their, um, get their take on things. Today is an an exciting episode. I've been working to get an interview with Ken Lavica, the the voice of Florida Atlantic University football and basketball, for a long time, even before... um, He His run uh, after FAU, or even before FAU, made their magical run in the NCAA tournament back in March. Um, Ken is a a guy that I know. I would consider him a friend. I mean, um, I met him back in 2010 when I moved down here to South Florida. I was looking for work at the time in the radio industry. And as a 33-year-old at the time, I I, um, took on an internship at ESPN West Palm. And being a 33 year old intern is not real easy, you know, especially when you've been in radio and a, and a broadcaster for at that time, 11 years. Um, it, it's kind of, it's very humbling. You're working for free. You're, um, working with 18, 19, 20 year olds, which, which is fine with me. I'm young at heart. Um, you're, you're, doing remedial work. You know, you're getting coffee, you're doing this and this, you know, the 33 year old, that was that was tough to take. Now, nothing against ESPN and West Palm. I loved my time there and I still got a lot of friends there that I talk to to this day. So, uh, they were very good to me and and Thus, the relationship continues. Ken Lavica was there uh, when when I started, and and you know we would talk from time to time. He was working broadcasts uh, for FAU football. Then he would uh, either be the color commentator for the football broadcast when Dave Lamont was doing play by play, or if Dave was off doing work for ABC or ESPN, Ken would then take over the. Uh, The boo. So I got to know Ken a little bit, you know, doing that. And the thing that I appreciated about him was just his willingness to talk to anybody. He was a busy guy and he was doing, you know, D1 football and D1 basketball. And he would sit down and he would talk with anybody that wanted to talk play by play, sports, uh, anything in general. And I remember part of my. Duties at ESPN West Palm when I worked there back in 2010, or interned there back in 2010, was working in the studio helping to produce the the football games. It was fascinating. It was something that I had not done uh, at a college level in any part of my career. So I really enjoyed that. Well, one of the weekends, Ken uh, was doing the play-by-play himself, and and you know the game broadcast and and. The post game was done and he, and Ken was signing off. And what Ken did was he thanked the engineer back at the studio, which you know people tend to do. he uh, he thanked the studio host and he thanked me. Just some intern, no name guy, for uh, you know, for pushing some buttons and, and helping out in my little bit that I did there. And I, I always remember that, and just thought that was really classy of him to do. Then I got my job at, uh, at WOKC Radio in Okeechobee, and uh, I don't know. A few months later, I happened to be back in West Palm, you know, on some other business, and I stopped in just to say hi, and there really wasn't anybody there except for Ken Levicka. And he came out in his middle of a work day. He came out and he said, Hey, what's up? How you doing? And we'd probably talked for a half hour, just, just chatting. And uh, again, it's a busy guy. It was the middle of the work day. I had not told anybody I was coming. I just stopped by. And, um, it's not like I, you know, I had been there maybe the summer, maybe not even that long, a, a month or two. And, um, uh, you know just for him to you know talk to me like we've been working together for 10 years i thought uh, again made an impact on me plus the guy is an outstanding play by play broadcaster so i'm excited to to talk with him you're going to love the stories that he has to tell Over the next few episodes, you know, he's going to tell you about when his connection, uh, drops, his network connection to his broadcast dropped with one minute to go in the biggest game of his career and the biggest game in Florida Atlantic basketball history. He's also going to talk about, uh, the time he was in the booth for one of the all time tirades that went on the air that went viral. He was right there next to it when it happened and uh, he's going to tell you that story. It is uh, just gripping stuff. We're going to talk about play-by-play in general and uh, y- y- you know, some shop talk on that. I think it's, it's certainly interesting for anybody that does play by play or is in the radio business. I think it's interesting for the sports fan that would like to know some behind the scenes stuff of what happens, you know, during a broadcast. I think there's an interest to that, uh, and hopefully you feel the same way. So, uh, again, the next two episodes today and the next episode of before the crowd is going to be with uh, with FAU play by play man Ken Lavica. Here is part one. Here on Before the Crowds Play by Play Podcast.
0: Rebound, more a second, good as well. Kansas State doesn't have any timeouts. The inbound from Sills. Here comes Noel up the near side, left front court. Three seconds now. Two. Noel throws a Masood. High right. It's stepped away by Davis. He stole it. Atlantic. Florida Atlantic it's going to the final four. One of the most improbable stories It comes. Basketball history has just played out in New York City. Houston, you have a problem. Florida Atlantic is coming to town looking for a trophy. Florida Atlantic 79, Kansas State 76. FAU is going to the Final Four.
1: You may have heard that voice during... March Madness Final Four. It was a, a viral clip that we all heard nationwide. That is the basketball play-by-play voice for the Florida Atlantic University Owls. That's Ken Lavica. He's my guest right now on the Before the Crowds play by play podcast. Ken, I really appreciate you taking the time to join me. Thank you so much.
0: Ken, it is my pleasure, man. Always appreciate catching up with you.
1: So before we get into that excitement from from you know just a few months ago, um, How long have you been with FAU? I was trying to look that up online, and I couldn't find the the date that you started. So I don't know how you circumvented the internet, but you did. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that's actually a great way to put it. And I take great pride in that. So um, I, there are there are two different start dates for me at FAU. Uh, the first is basketball. I uh, started broadcasting my my first FAU basketball games in December of two thousand seven, and then became the full time broadcaster for the oh eight oh nine season. But technically, that's seventeen seasons now behind that microphone. And then FAU football, uh, I began broadcasting two thousand and nine and became full-time the following year. So it's, uh, it's two different sports, two different start dates, but I think it's safe to say FAU voice, at least in part, for the last 17 years.
1: So you went to Valparaiso, and I was – am I correcting that, right? You went – that's where you yeah, went? Okay. Yeah, I went to Valpo. Yep. I was reading an article uh, about you there, um, and it talked about how – your time at FAU and going to the Final Four wasn't too big for you because of the experience they had at Valpo, covering championship tournament series with with the volleyball team. Talk about that a little bit, if you would.
0: Yeah, so I in high school was an all conference volleyball player, but I'm you, you've you've seen me plenty. I'm five seven. There was no way that uh, that was going to turn into a, a collegiate endeavor of mine. So uh, went to Valpo for college. And uh, the student radio station there, WVUR, it's a little tiny uh, AM signal. Um, But the athletics department at the time at Valpo... to this day to a lesser extent but they rely heavily on the student station to uh, be the flagship for all of its sports and that even continues with basketball which is the main sport there Uh, and obviously there's affiliates off of that but every sport at, at, at Valpo gets airtime including an entire slate of women's basketball volleyball baseball football the entire thing and so I was amazed Fortunate to walk into a situation as a young person, as a freshman, and get reps immediately with volleyball broadcasting because I was a former player. And I, I'm not trying to turn this into a Valpo infomercial. I don't. Uh, I, I don't make any any additional revenue off of pushing people to Valpo. But we hear all the time, Ken. Oh, Syracuse. Oh, Mizzou. Oh, Northwestern. I I feel so fortunate. I went to that small private school in Indiana because I got reps real reps, reps on the actual presenting station right away. I never would have been able to, in that short amount of time, navigate my way through the the mass of humanity that is all of those other schools and what it takes to, to get yourself some proper demo reel and opportunities, but that volleyball program at Valpo was phenomenal when I got there. Uh, my freshman year, they went to the NCAA tournament and played at Michigan State. Uh, then the following two years, years back-to-back NCAA tournaments played in Madison Wisconsin nearly beat a number two in the nation UCLA in the opening round so uh, I-, I was able to, to to do games at Big Ten schools and so I-, I take pride in the fact that there are moments that are too big but a lot of that was because I was able to go to these massive schools these huge facilities as a freshman as a sophomore in college and really throw myself into it right
1: away so before I get to my next question I, I gotta give you my uh my volleyball Broadcasting experience story here. My first um, radio station that I worked for was WPKO and WBLL Radio in Bell Fountain, Ohio. It's a real, okay. it's a small town about forty five minutes west of Columbus. We had a a school that we covered who uh, had a volleyball player named Nicole Fawcett. She ended up going to – she was one of the best volleyball players in the state and turns out in the country. She ended up going to Penn State to play volleyball. And Penn State at the time, I'm not sure if they still are, but I know at the time, one of the blue bloods in volleyball. When, uh, you know, as far as uh, always going deep in the tournaments and everything like that. So. As a freshman, Nicole was playing, and our general manager called over to Ohio State and said, "Hey, can we uh, can we go into the feed for your uh, uh, Ohio State, Penn State broadcast? We have a local kid that's playing on the team, and." Uh, the SID said, "Well, we don't really broadcast that, but if you want to send a crew to broadcast it locally, you know, we'll let you do that." So for four years, we got to go over and broadcast college volleyball uh, with Ohio State and Penn State uh, because of our affiliation with with uh, Nicole Fawcett. And I got to do two years of that—her junior and senior year when she was uh, one of the biggest names in the country. And I just thought that was so cool. It was such an experience. I, I put so much work into learning the sport and the 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 vocabulary the lingo even though that most people back home couldn't have cared less what I said unless I, except that I was just sure. saying talk got Nicole Fawcett but even to this day I'll say I'll I'll tell people I did some college volleyball you know as my resume just those couple of games with uh, Ohio State and Penn I State. love that
0: I, like a couple things off that too uh, the, the fact that and this is why I still and and a lot of what you hear about college athletics is negative now and nil and and Everybody has an opinion, and many have a an adverse opinion to it. But at its core, with college athletics, it, outside of the the basketball and and football realm, like those are the types of things. Like Ohio, freaking Ohio State is like, yeah, local station volleyball program, sure, come out, do the game. Uh, we uh, was this pre pre Big Ten network or or post Big Ten network inception? Post it was post oh, so it, it, was, uh, it, that's, at the very awesome. least,
1: yeah. At the very least, it was like right at the inception of it. I'm trying to remember now that you bring that up, but uh, I'm I am 99 sure it was post.
0: Like that, that's the thing. Like there are still there are still stories like that where where universities are are at the the grassroots small town small market level, but in their backyard, trying to make sure that they're getting any exposure they can for their student athletes. That's just that that's absolutely phenomenal. And to your your credit, Ken, what I'll say too is uh, you didn't know anything about volleyball and you throwing yourself into it, immersing yourself in it, taking it seriously. I firmly believe, and I'll say this since this is a, a play-by-play podcast, that you're, you're not making yourself any better if you're sticking to one singular path in terms of the sports that you're calling. You're obviously going to have the sport that you're best at, you're most comfortable with, but if you really want to challenge yourself you really want to make yourself valuable make yourself as versatile as possible i right now i'm in the process of starting to teach myself lacrosse and i've immersed myself in hockey because i may have some opportunities to do play-by-play which i've never done before in a couple of months time and I love it because it's a challenge and it's something new. And if I fail, so be it. But at least I have that that I can lean on. I think that's awesome, and I think that's also a good lesson for play-by-play broadcasters.
1: You know, I think that one of the first bits of advice that I ever got, and I, and I still take to this day, and if anybody ever asks me my advice, I, I tell them the same thing: is never turn down an opportunity, no matter what it is. Never and so I, I gladly took that opportunity I mean I had no intention of ever turning it down but you know you're right there's an uncomfortableness to it there's an anxiety to it because you're not familiar with the sport you got to do some work you got to study but um, you know it, to this day and, and I, I've been doing play-by play now for nearly 25 years um, um, you know I, I'm pretty secure in where I am in my career and everything as far as what I'm doing that to this day day, if I get an opportunity from an outside source, like if Kaiser University calls me and asks me to do something, and I can't do it, I feel guilty. Like, I absolutely hate saying no, even if I can't do it. Like, if my son has a game, I'm going to go to that, but Boy, I, I I can't get it out of my head. I'm like, I shouldn't have turned them down. I shouldn't have said you know, no.
0: I I have the same experiences, and in fact, a couple of weeks ago, and it it didn't line up with my schedule. But I was I was asked if I could go call a for for my my local radio station, my full time job in West Palm, ESPN West Palm, if I could go call a a flag a girls flag football game in Florida. The Girls flag football is a recognized competitive sport uh, at the FHSAA level, and uh, someone made the comment, "Oh, uh, you just came off of, of calling a Final Four. Uh, we're not going to have you do a flag football game." And I said, "No, no, no. First of all, don't say that. That's ridiculous. And two, I actually felt badly. I couldn't line it up with my schedule because I'm with you. I am still hardwired to to say yes to everything, um, and and even try and make time for it, move things around for it. It's just a new phenomenon in my life where I have to turn." things down and it pains me. I'm totally right there with you. I know exactly what you're saying.
1: Talking with Ken LaVica, the the play by play voice of FAU football and basketball. And and Ken, let's segue to basketball here because, my goodness, what a a magical season that the Owls had. This is the stuff that, as a broadcaster, you dream of. You want to cover a school that has a season like this. And you got to experience this. Before we get into the Cinderella run here, let's talk about the regular season that they had because I don't, they went 30 3 in my career. Correcting that during the regular season yeah,
0: 30 uh, yeah 30 and 3 in the regular season
1: so 30 and 3 in the regular season and still they're like the 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 little school that uh that you know got an invite or, or earned their way in that really nobody was was considering but you saw them in the regular season you saw how good they were maybe talk about that what was that for you like in a regular season and did you know that you were seeing something special it, it
0: didn't take long to start to tell yourself this is different, uh, and and honestly, the indication was going to Florida in the third game of the season after uh, a rough uh, a rough game at Ole Miss where nothing went well. FAU's veteran, uh, one of the lone veterans on the team, from a class standing standpoint, Mike Forrest didn't play the first two games of the season, and so like man, that was just ugly, but. Whatever. Let's go to Florida. Let's uh, let's see if you can you can bounce back and be competitive. And FAU goes into there. Mike is finally available for the first time this year. Hit a couple of critical threes late, and FAU beats Florida. So that's certainly within the excitement of that because that was the most prodigious uh, prodigious regular season win in FAU basketball history. They've had a couple of of, of power five wins over the years at Ohio State um, uh, and and at Mississippi. State, but not like this, not like going to the O-Dome. Um, and so, you think to yourself, boy, that's a really good win, and so how can they use that, and can they can they ride the momentum off of that? And then came blowout wins of Bryant, an NCAA tournament team from a year prior. A 30-point win over perennial A-Sun favorite, Florida Gulf Coast. A, a, a massive win, a huge effort over NCAA A tournament team, Northern Kentucky, double-digit win. The non-conference was just blowout after blowout after blowout. Amani Bates, Eastern Michigan, they weren't a very good team. He is an NBA prospect, and FAU beat them by 30 on the road. So you think to yourself, boy... Uh, I don't know who's going to stop this team. And it was the depth. It was the ball movement. It was the out-of-control defensive effort that FAU was giving. They were number one in Conference USA and the non Conference in defensive and offensive efficiency, points scored, points allowed, some really ridiculous numbers. But then December comes and the Conference USA season uh, kicks in and North Texas, who has won either the regular season or the Conference USA tournament, over the last three years, FAU goes to Denton, and they're getting bodied all over the place, and they're down double digits with four minutes left to go, and Florida Atlantic ends the game on a 13-0 run, wins 50-46 to and one of the most how the hell did this happen?" games I've ever called, and that was the first time where I said to myself, wait, this team that's been putting up 78, 79, 80, 81 points a game can also win a 50-40 six game They're a matchup problem for everybody. And that ended up being exactly the case. Conference USA was the best mid-major conference in America in uh, this 2022-2023 season. And I'm telling you, Ken, to lose two games in that conference with North Texas and UAB, the two teams that played for the NIT championship, both teams should have made the NCAA tournament. I mean, it's it's the most single impressive regular season I've ever seen at any level that I've ever been a part of. And it's one of the finest regular seasons. Seasons In college basketball history, without question, at least at the mid-major level.
1: More to come in just a moment with Ken Levicka from FAU Basketball and Football here on the Before the Crowds play-by-play podcast. Be sure to check out our great podcast on hefepods.com That's spelled
0: J-E-F-E pods.com. You'll find an ever-growing selection of shows, some of which are hosted by your favorite radio personalities, from popular English language shows to the hard-to-find Spanish language shows. Check out the newest episodes of Taylor's Table, the Haunting or Not podcast, and more. They can all be found at hefepods.com. That's J E F E Pods.com, and be sure to tell a friend or two or three.
1: It has, it revitalized my love of March Madness. And I'm not, that's not even hyperbole because March Madness up, you know, the last four or five years for me has become boring because I don't know the teams anymore. I mean, you got one, maybe two years of the stars and yeah. and then yeah. and, and everybody says the same thing. I don't follow bas- college basketball until March. Well, if you don't do that, then you're not going to have any vested interest in anybody and it's going to be boring. So um, that that run was a lot of fun. And by the way, that is also what makes broadcasting so important, because. of the people watching these games didn't know one thing about FAU, didn't know one thing uh, about San Diego State, even though they were a top-five team for most of the Mm -hmm. season. But you watch the games, and if they're a good broadcast team, and at the national level, they all are, they're giving you the storylines behind each of these players. Why why should we be interested in this player? What is a good human interest story about this guy? Why is this team fun to watch? The the why, why, why – and a good broadcast team. That's why it drives me crazy when you when you these owners sometimes get into the thing. Let's try a game without broadcast. Okay, I'm not watching it.
0: That's uh, uh, what a disaster that is. That's yeah. just the stupidest, the 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 stupidest right. big money New York. Uh, let's just try some gimmick. It's, yeah. I I absolutely despise that. And to, to your point about not knowing the teams, like fine, I get it. There's a lot going on. There's the overlap with with college football. It's very difficult for any. Non-blue blood to, to get any sort of college basketball attention. What I will say, and this is why local broadcast teams, uh, school broadcast teams are so important. Just to to add more checkpoints to your list here, is is that when when things were getting closer to the NCAA tournament, and my my phone, as you'd imagine, was getting a lot busier because I was being asked to to guest an awful lot on different <laughs> radio shows, yeah. different college basketball podcasts. That's one of the, the the, uh, one of the necessities of this role too is that you're not just calling the games. If you're, you've got to also be a representative. You've got to be. Not everybody's going to get access to Dusty May. So when Dusty May uh, can't do a specific show, a specific podcast, I'm the next best thing. And so I kept being asked, "Oh, Cinderella, Cinderella, Cinderella," and I kept having to inform, "This is not a Cinderella story. It's a Cinderella stand uh, story from a standpoint of what this program has been, which has been nothing for almost the entirety of its existence." But in terms of Cinderella stories of 2022-2023, this ain't Farley Dickinson, right? Like This ain't one of your your SOCON teams. This is a team that won 30 games in the regular season. It was top 15 net ranking for the final two and a half, three months of the season. That got vastly underseeded as nine. This isn't a Cinderella story. This is a team that should be, if this was 15 years ago, discussed as a Final Four favorite.
1: Well, unfortunately most of the country didn't know that. So that's where the right. Cinderella comes out and, and you're absolutely right. right. That's that's why the the local and, and you you touched on two things that I wanna including my next question, but you touched on one thing. You know, that the broadcast is the next best thing. To me I'd rather hear from the broadcaster. I'd rather hear from the beat writers because most of the time they don't have an agenda. They don't have – they're going to tell us what they think about the team. I know they work for the school sometimes and this and that, and and overall they're positive. A coach is going to give you coach speak, you know, so – of of course they're gonna say you know I don't know just, it's it's almost its own language I enjoy listening to people that are gonna give me both sides of the coin and are gonna give me you know it, it's not always roses it's you know there's <laughs> you know what I'm saying it's uh, I, I'm yeah. not putting this together real well but it's uh, I like the unbiased opinion even though it's biased.
0: Right, I mean, you've heard my play-by-play, Ken. I'm mm-hmm. definitely not propaganda man. Right. Uh, I will. I will certainly, because that's part of your job too, uh, is to convey to your hometown listener when things aren't exactly rainbows and puppies, and mm-hmm. you've got to do it. You've got to do it in a way in which it conveys the message without uh, piling on said player, said coach. Uh, I get uh, my paycheck paid by Florida Atlantic. The last thing I want to do is anger people, anger donors, do that entire thing. But uh, they deserve to understand. And what I'm seeing, uh, and what's not going well, there is, uh, I think, sometimes an obligation to uh, to make sure, though, that in spots like I was in this year with FAU, you're protecting these kids and making sure that you're properly telling the story because it's very easy first time around with these names, these kids. They haven't been in the uh, the, the public spotlight before for for uh, these national entities, and it's not their fault, but they're quickly trying to put content together. They're making mistakes, wrong information on the background, wrong numbers. Uh, And so you're there to respectfully but firmly correct them and make sure that the proper story is being told and give additional background and to Mm -hmm. create uh, a narrative for this team that you followed. And for me, I have the great fortune, and I always have at FAU, of traveling with the basketball team. I am part of the traveling party. I'm in the meetings. I'm in the film. I'm in the breakfast, uh, the shoot-around, the entire thing. I am not separated from from them. And so, of anybody, I'm going to be able to give, within reason, as clear a tale uh, and account of this team as anybody. And so, to your point, uh, the, the broadcaster is is probably, and do so in at least a folksy or personality-driven way, a more entertaining feel or read for what the team is, as opposed to anybody else, including the head coach.
1: Boy, that access that you have is just invaluable. Um how do you use watching film in your broadcast? Because it's not like you have a job on the court to do. You're you're you have a more general overview of it. How do you, how do you use that? Is that something you had to learn?
0: It, it, it took me a little bit because I I played basketball, but I didn't go deep into a, a varsity, high school, college-level uh, ability to play. And so I never really learned how to watch film. And so over the years, no matter the coach at FAU, whether it's Rex Walters or Mike Jarvis or Michael Curry or, or Dusty May, I've, I've been able to learn how to watch film and learn how to take notes off of what's being conveyed to the players and every coaching staff presents film differently. And for, for Dusty May, uh, it starts with individual seven, eight deep about what they do well, uh, how you need to guard them. The players reminded this is going to be your guy. Uh, they shoot lefty. Make sure you get up into them or hey, they're at their most uh, proficient from distance. But if you force them into twos, they're going to take tough shots and they're not high percentage. That's what you want to do. Uh, and then you baseline out of bounds play, set plays, that entire thing. And so, like for me, I'm a one-man band on these broadcasts. I don't have a color analyst. This has always been how it's been. FAU not exactly uh, bereft with cash. So I have, over the years, been a one-man broadcast team for basketball. So I don't – when, when I'm calling games, I don't want to lose the, the, the listener by trying to flex on them with – Basketball terminology. If I say, oh, they're Xing at the top, like 70% of my audience has no idea what I'm talking about or roll and replace. Like they, I, what I need to do is find a way to make that layman's terms so that I don't lose my audience. And it makes me sound a little bit less like a basketball person, but certainly I think helps me to become more relatable to who I'm actually providing this product, product this content for. So as far as as watching film, I'm able to pick up a ton because I get that full access, and it's awesome, and I can write down the tendencies. For example, Memphis, Kendrick Davis, their outstanding point guard, round one for FAU. Uh, he made a living. He was the American player of the year because that dude lived at the free throw line. He's so quick off the dribble. He has a rocket in his backside, and nobody could move their feet to defend him, and he lived at the free throw line. So the game plan on him was, hey, he's going to hit some threes, you'll live with it if he's going to chuck those up. The one thing you can't do is allow him a free path to the basket. You've got to help on him. You've got to pop out on him. you got to give him different looks. If you keep him below 10 free throws on the game, 11, 12 free throws on the game, we're going to have a great chance to win. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened in the final two and a half minutes. He started putting up some ill-advised threes because he no longer had a clear path to the basket. Those are the things that I need to see in film, though. They convey at the right moment, and it turned out that was a great place for me to put it with two and a half minutes to go as he uh, shoots a three off the side of the backboard uh, in a pivotal moment as opposed to driving to the rim and living at the free throw line. It's that stuff you got to pick and choose and don't kill them with uh, with vernacular and with vocabulary and instead inundate your listener with, with layman's terms, information, and explanation about what you're seeing and what you're expecting the team to be able to execute based off of what you saw in film.
1: I think so many broadcasts especially ones just getting into it forget that very thing ken it's that you got to remember who you're broadcasting to you're not broadcasting to a locker room full of basketball players you're broadcasting to the layman that you've got to explain what's happening on the court especially if you're doing the broadcast yourself you're you're doing the play but in a sense you're doing play-by-play and play color together and so you've got to say what happened and then you've got to explain it in a way they can understand and i, I thought you put that very well
0: yeah, and I, I, it's easy for me to do that because I'm in control of that from a basketball standpoint. My, my football analyst, Chris Bartels, former FAU football player, a, a, an FAU football Hall of Famer, uh, he did not have any broadcasting background when he came in, and now he's my over-a-decade partner with FAU football, and so it was a struggle for him. Uh, as a former safety, uh, he came into the broadcast booth and immediately wanted to throw out defensive terms, and and uh, he's, he's just thinking like a guy who had played his entire life and we had to teach him alright you can say these terms you can give these words but then you need to in an efficient amount of time explain exactly what that means and how it applies to what you saw and as soon as an analyst especially can do that then they have uh, hit the nirvana of, of radio uh, analysis because then you know what they're talking about and then they can use their personal and their expertise to convey to the listener and make them smarter while the broadcast is going on, I think that's what that's all about.
1: I do uh, baseball play-by-play for uh, for Okeechobee High School as well, and um, my color analyst is um, his name is Tim Gillis, and he is a mm-hmm. he is the he, he coached he was we call him the Godfather of Brahmin baseball because he literally built the field that they play on. He coached there for thirty five years. Um, he's still around the program, but. But he is as old school as it gets. And he didn't have any radio uh, experience, obviously, going into it. And, and I would tell him, number one rule, just let me finish the call. And then you can jump in with whatever you want to say. I'll give you the time to do that. He, ha- Especially at the beginning, he has a real hard time doing that. He'll talk during the play because he's like, Talking to the kids, yeah, right, right. He's talking to the kids, and to the point where sometimes I got to turn his mic down during the call so I can get the call in there, and and then bring it up and ask him questions about it. And even to you know, he's got a lot better at. It. And I love the guy to death. So if he hears this, he he knows everything. I'm not saying anything I haven't told him. But he, uh, I'll say, coach, you got to let me finish the call. He goes, I'm sorry, I don't even know I'm doing it, but you know, you, um, I I can't stop coaching. I said, well. Coach, look at it this way: you're coaching our listeners. You're not coaching the guys on the field. They right. can't. They can't hear you. Yep. Well said, <laughs> Coached, Coach. Coach well the said. listeners, and and that helped. That helped. I think if you explain it that way, it's uh, that's one thing with play-by-play. I think, especially if you're running a, a booth, if you're you're the point guard, you've got to teach and and re, for lack of a better term, coach up your uh, your color analysts because
0: yeah. it's about especially yeah, absolutely. And I think that especially if you have a former player or coach as your broadcast partner, you can't be intimidated by that because chances are they have the ability to be coached. So they're going to be leaning on you, even though uh, you may have idolized this person growing up or uh, you've heard and been regaled with all these tales of how incredible they are. They're a local hero. This is your realm now, Mm -hmm. and you need to act like it. And I'm not saying, hey, coach, uh, pipe down. Uh, you know, you've got to you've got to make sure the delivery is there. But they're looking to be coached. They probably have this mode where they are demanding excellence of themselves because that's how they convey themselves to get to the point that they were as a player or a coach. And you need to play off of that and coach them up. And chances are, I, I'd be willing to bet they want that coaching. So I think play-by-play broadcasters, as shy or as meek as you may be, this is your opportunity to coach and be a leader. And so take advantage of it.
1: Yeah, that took me a little bit to figure out but you're absolutely right with that we got to know so many players uh, the nation got to know so, so many players during this run with John L. Davis with with Elijah Martin um, Golden, you have to help me with his first name but uh, we're glad Vlad's fine, Vlad's Vlad, fine gotcha. Vlad Golden, uh, Greenlee and, and many more guys how did they react to their national attention that they were getting through that run? Did you see that from afar?
0: I right. They treated it like a, a February win over UTEP. I wow. I am not I, – I was more of a mental mess than they were at team breakfast or shoot around or film, uh, just an anxiety-ridden puddle. And these guys, even with all the media, even with all the pressure, it didn't change at all. Like, the most excited I saw these guys at points in the NCAA tournament were when the truckloads clothes of free Adidas gear came through <laughs> as a reward for each round that they were advancing to in the tournament. Um, and uh, Nellie Davis is just uh, uh, more on the quiet side, goofy, but ultra talented Gary Indiana native, and I he knows. I appreciate him a lot. There have not been many Chicagoland natives that have come through this FAU basketball program in my 17 years and so as a fellow Chicagoland native uh, I always take great pride in these guys coming down to South Florida and he is one heck of a player. It, 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 he is incredible and he is extremely mature he's come a long way. Uh, he was rough around the edges when he came to FAU. didn't play an awful lot and he has turned into a guy who dazzled at the, uh, the G League Combine just a couple of days ago. Elijah Martin um, a former star football player player at his high school, and he really butted heads with Dusty May and his role in his first year. Uh, And I was, I'll tell you, Ken, I was certain that I wasn't going to see Elijah Martin after his freshman year. I I did not think that uh, he was was going to stay out of the portal. And so then, when his sophomore year comes around, and he's there at practice in uh, October, I'm like, wow, what in the world happened? And then he becomes the leading scorer on the team. This kid is special. He's an athletics freak. He is powerful beyond measure. Uh, and th- th- Elijah Martin especially, just to-, to bring him up, he's the one, if you remember, Ken, who tried the windmill jam at the end of the Fairleigh Dickinson game yes. uh, in the second round and got booed roundly by the Columbus crowd, and he was panned all over uh, national college basketball media. How dare he? Uh, trying to show up Fairleigh Dickinson. First of all, if Fairleigh Dickinson tried to do the same thing, if they were had an eight-point lead and were about to close out FAU and one of their players went for a windmill, I promise you we'd be saying, oh, man, the flashy darling of the tournament, Fairleigh Dickinson. So stop it, first of all. Um, second of all, uh, the dude's 20 years old. Like, stop it. He's right. never been to a, a, an NCAA tournament before. He's going to the Sweet 16. If he wants to show off a little bit, so be it. Is it the best sportsmanship? No, and he owned it but it also wasn't the end of the world. And he handled that because we went to New York the following day, we didn't come back to South Florida. We went right to New York from that went over fairly Dickinson and people were tweeting at him on Instagram. He's getting trolled and abused. And I looked back on the plane after we landed at LaGuardia and I just looked at him. We made eye contact. I said, Hey Mark, you good? He goes, I've never been better, man. I feel great. Like with all of that, the abuse he was taken and he's yeah, I'm good, man. And then he balls out in the Sweet 16 in the Elite Eight and the Final Four. Like, that just shows you. uh, He's unflappable. Vlad Golden couldn't speak English three years ago when he was at Texas Tech. He went from Russia to Texas Tech. Talk about the most crazy uh, culture shock you could possibly have. And then he comes to South Florida. And like any typical big man in college basketball, uh, has to learn uh, the the five-man position, especially at the mid-major level where you're going against big powerful wings, guys who can spread you out. It's been a rough road for him, and he's finally come into his own on a team that's undersized. He's the lone big man on this team, because his backup is basically a glorified foreman And Giancarlo Rosado. Uh, and and the, uh, the target he takes on his back from not only the opponent, but the officials. And he does so without losing his cool. He's the sweetest kid you could ever imagine. His English is fluent now. And uh, the entire time during the the NCAA tournament, it wasn't, oh, I'm nervous. Oh, there's pressure. It was, oh, I told my girlfriend, uh, you don't have to come to every game because it's expensive to fly from Boca Raton. Like, that was his worry, man. Like, it, these kids are different. They're just different. And it shows you why this team was able to get to the Final Four because there truly is no moment where they're like, oh, this is too big. Because they just don't know any better. They took
1: it like total pros. Let's cut it off right there. Great stuff from Ken. Um, the next episode is going to be better. This one was good. The next episode in two weeks will be better. There are some thrilling stories he's going to tell. His network dropped one minute to go in the FAU Kansas State uh, regional final game, the Elite Eight game, a chance to go to the Final Four. Biggest part, biggest moment in Ken's career broadcasting, biggest moment in FAU basketball history, and. He's off the air. He's off the air. We're going to hear that story. It made national news, but you're going to hear it straight from Ken's perspective in two weeks on the next episode of Before the Crowds Play-by-Play podcast, plus... He was uh, in the booth when an epic all-time meltdown happened uh, with his play-by-play partner. And you're going to hear that story in two weeks as well. If you haven't yet, go back and listen to the other Before the Crowds uh, podcast on the Hefe Pods Network. It's at hefepods.com. J-E-F-E-P-O-D-S dot Until then, I'm Ken Keller. Thank you for listening. This has been Before the Crowds Play-by-Play Podcast. A proud member of the Boss Pods Podcast Network, a division of Glades Media. If you like this episode, please tell your friends and follow Before the Crowds on Facebook and Twitter. Just search Before the Crowds. There you'll get extra clips not included in this episode, as well as updates on when new episodes are posted. If you have any questions or comments, message those accounts, and I will either message back directly or answer your questions on a future podcast. The Before the Crowds theme music is... Is written and performed by Lucas Braun of L Dub Music. More episodes to come over the next few weeks. Until then, thank you for listening.